As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. I think we can both agree that the last year or so has thrown us a lot of curveballs between lockdowns, layoffs, changing policies, and all the things that flipped our normal upside down. You might be left wondering, what's next for me? Or where do I go from here? And if you're an ambitious, multi-passionate gal on top of all of that, I can speak from experience when I say it makes it all the more confusing. But what if someone handed you a roadmap with the exact steps you need to figure out and actually achieve the next right thing for you in just a few weeks? I mean, you've got passion, talent, a dozen options, and probably a million dreams. You just need to know which one to take action on and be equipped with a plan to keep you focused until it's done. And that's exactly what I want to give you. On September 20th, I'm opening the doors to a four-week faith-based mentorship program to help you clarify your direction and see your next right goal or dream to completion. In this mentorship, faith, work, and wellness collide in a way you've never seen before. Taught from a biblical foundation with an emphasis on stewardship, each step will teach you how to figure out what matters to you so you can work toward the things that align with what you value. If you're feeling burnt out, overwhelmed by all your ideas or options, unfulfilled, or like you have no idea what's next for you, the framework in this program will help you clarify the direction that's uniquely right for you and give you a plan to see it through. Sound like something you need? Head over to learn.theownedacademy.com slash mentorship to check out all the details and grab your spot. But hurry, the doors are only open until midnight on September 24th. That's learn.theownedacademy.com slash mentorship. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of She. I'm your host, Jordan Lee Dooley, and I am so excited to have you here. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Welcome to the party. We have a great time. You are uh, in for a ride, especially with this episode. And if this is not your first time tuning in and you've been around a while, welcome back. I am so thankful for your support of the show. 
If you have not taken a chance to do this, I would love if you would be willing to leave a rating or review on the show. That really helps our show. It helps me see what you're liking, what's serving you, and really gives me that little boost to keep on going. So if you have been a longtime listener or been blessed in any way by this show, would love if while you're listening, you can drop a rating or review for us. That would mean the world. All right. So here's the deal. In this episode, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, people-pleasing and why, I guess the best way I can say it is why trying to make everyone happy is not the secret to being liked by others and just kind of reframing our mindset around that. If you're anything like me and you are an achiever, you are a go-getter, you care about serving other people and making your mark on this world and you have a big heart for making an impact, this can be tough. It can be tough to set boundaries. It can be tough to say no. It can be tough to you know feel like you're letting other people down, even if you know that's the best thing for you. So that's what we're going to dig into in this episode. If you are a recovering or even an active people pleaser, listen up. This is going to be a good one. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. All right, so first let's dig into why I believe that people-pleasing is not the secret to getting people to like you. And that seems kind of ironic because when we're pleasing others, when we are you know, even overextending ourselves trying to be there for others or say yes or support or show up for Um, it can be really easy to think that that's what's going to make you more likable because if you're pleasing others, you would almost assume that that would make them like you, right? But as I thought about this a lot and analyzed different times in my life when I I overextended myself or my inner people pleaser was like, you can't say no to that. And then I said yes to it. And then I was exhausted or frustrated or, you know, not my best self when I was actually doing whatever it was that I committed myself to. I look back at those experiences in my life and those times in my life, and I realize, like, I don't think that, like, making, trying to make everybody happy or, you know, trying to make sure I didn't let anyone down, I don't think that's actually what makes me a likable person. I don't think that actually changed or really determines whether or not someone enjoys my company, someone, you know, appreciates me, et cetera. And so I kind of came up with three reasons why trying to make everyone happy or being a people pleaser is not the secret to being liked. And I'm going to run through those and then we're going to dig into some things on boundaries and stuff like that. So reason number one is that at the end of the day, you'll never be able to make everyone happy. And we know that like cognitively, logically, we know, yes, I know that I can't make everyone happy, but yet somehow we still try. I think, And I think that's because we're like, well, maybe not everyone, but at least everyone in my inner circle or everyone in my workplace, I want to be happy and I want to feel like they like me. The reality is like some people just aren't going to see eye to eye with you. Some people aren't going to share the same values or aren't going to, you know, uh, share the same convictions or aren't going to appreciate when you take space or time for yourself. So at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to make everyone happy, even if you're trying to. And even if you're not taking time for yourself, if you are, you know, giving and giving and giving, some people still just won't appreciate that or they won't even see it or acknowledge it. So that's not the answer. That leads to point number two or reason number two, which I think really piggybacks off of reason number one. So because you'll never be able to make everyone happy, the reality is, is that eventually you're going to burn out and you'll be miserable in the process of trying to please everyone, right? So like, as you are trying to say yes to everyone, as you're trying to, you know, find a way to connect and find common ground, or maybe even bend on your morals or convictions or values to please somebody else, 
you're going to feel like you're being pulled in so many directions. Like think of Elastigirl. You remember Elastigirl like spread out in the Incredibles movie, (laughs) like so far arms and legs going all directions. That is, I think what we start to do to ourselves. We turn ourselves into Alaska girl as we're trying to please everyone because we're trying to be this person to so-and-so and that person to someone else. And this avail, you know, have this availability for someone else and that availability for a- another person. And eventually we just become, we, we kind of lose ourselves in the process and we don't even really know like, who am I? And we can't even really be true to ourselves because we kind of lose ourselves in the process of trying to be something to everyone else and what everyone else, what we perceive everyone else wants us to be. So you'll never be able to make everyone happy. And because of that fact, you'll never, or, you know, you'll probably burn out and start to feel miserable in the process of trying to please everyone. And that will affect how well you show up, how kind you can be, how present you can be with people. So then that leads to the third point, the third reason, which is that those who like you for you, not for what you can do for them or how you can, you know, please them, could actually suffer the consequences of you chasing the approval of everyone when you could be stewarding the support and the friendship of a few or a handful or those people that really get you or that you, you know, really don't have to try to prove anything to to make them happy. So, you know, I think sometimes we forget these things. I forget these things. And so I wanted to first start off by just sharing, like, here's the reality. You're never going to be able to make everyone happy. And if you do, you're going to be miserable in the process of trying to, because it's never going to work out. And all that's going to do is frustrate you. And then at the end of the day, those who actually just like you for you and not for what you can do for them or how you can appease them or how you can make them happy or whatever, they might suffer the consequences of you not actually being present and pouring into those relationships because you're trying to help make everyone else happy. And you're trying to, you know, not let anyone down and you're not able to then be present in those relationships that really count. And you're not able to really serve them and show up for them and listen to them and be available for them and, you know, your own family. And so I think that's really key is just foundationally to understand from there. You know, I think some questions that as we're discussing this, and as I've shared these thoughts here and there on social media, some follow-up questions come like, okay, well, how do I, you know, say no in a kind way? Or what if I've been a people pleaser all this time? I always overcommit myself. I always say yes, but now I want to try to set some boundaries. Like how can I do that? And so first I want to dig into the reality that boundaries are not unkind. Setting boundaries, I think can actually be one of the kindest things that we can do, not only for ourselves, but for those that we love, for our colleagues, for our our relationships, for our acquaintances. It's actually one of the kindest things we can do, even though it feels kind of hard. So let's dig into that. So when it comes to setting boundaries and doing it in a way that is not rude or, you know, coming across like I'm better than you, because I think that actually could be part of the fear around boundaries. Like if we set a boundary, we don't want to somehow indirectly communicate, or we don't want someone to misinterpret that to mean like, I think I'm better than you. And you're just like this little peasant over here in my life. And when I have time for you, I'll get to you. I think sometimes when we think of boundaries, we almost like have that image in our mind. So I think one thing to understand is that there's a way to have boundaries without actually, especially within your relationships. Like, I don't think you have to, if you're going to communicate that something is going to change such as let's say you're not going to be as available on your phone as you know, you're going to set that boundary instead of telling your friends, Hey, I'm setting some boundaries. So don't text me after 8 PM. Like, yes, that's going to come across as rude, especially if for the last, or, you know, with your boss or whatever, like, especially if for the last two, three years, you've been getting back to your boss or your coworker or your friend or whoever, 
until all hours of the night, right? So like they're going to be kind of caught off guard by that. It's going to come across as harsh or rude, but there's a completely better way and simpler way to say it that wouldn't seem so jarring. So something you might say in that situation, instead of saying, hey, yo, I'm going to set some boundaries and you know that means you just can't come into this part of my life at this point, like that's going to feel very exclusive. A way to still do the exact same thing without making someone feel defensive would be something like saying something along the lines of, hey, I just want to be honest and say that I'm a little burned out and going to try to prioritize my rest a little bit more. So if I don't reply after 8 p.m. to a text, know that I'm not ignoring you. I'm just trying to limit my screen time and we'll get back to you in the morning. You can say something along those lines or say, hey, I've you know, not been sleeping well, so I've decided that I'm going to shut my phone off by 8 p.m. every night. So if you text me and I don't get back to you, know that I'm not ignoring you and that I will respond in the morning. Something along those lines says like, hey, you're still very, you are very important to me. Your messages matter to me. Like I want to communicate with you. I am noticing that I'm feeling burned out or that I'm not sleeping well. And so I'm going to try to set this limit for myself rather than saying, this is a boundary you cannot cross and you have to stay out there. It's more like, Hey, this is something that I want you to be aware of. Cause I'm trying to do this because I'm not sleeping well or whatever. Most rational human beings are going to understand that you may have somebody say, make, make a comment or something, but at the end of the day, like that is probably a more effective way to communicate. Like I'm setting this boundary and I am not getting back to work texts after 8 p.m. or whatever, whatever you decide. But if you say it in a way that's exclusive, like I'm setting a boundary and you can't come in, that's where you might get a reaction more so than if you said, I'm doing this for my health or for my sleep or whatever. It's nothing personal. I'm doing it across the board. I'm not just blocking you out personally. I'm just not going to be on my phone and you know, after this time, whatever you decide. But that may be a more effective way to say it. Now, Another way or another thing to think about when setting boundaries in a way that feels kind and compassionate and considers the feelings of those who you may be communicating them to would be to also communicate your needs more so than how they could be wrong or imposing on you. So just like the example I gave, if you are communicating your needs, like I'm realizing I need more sleep or I am realizing that I am overworking myself or I'm realizing that I just have no time to you know, spend time with my family and I've just over, you know, overcommitted myself or whatever you may say. Most people are going to be able to understand that when you're speaking in first person rather than speaking, like if you're projecting it on them, like they're somehow imposing on your life or, you know, like it's everyone else's fault, then that can make people feel defensive. Whereas if you're communicating, like I have this need and I'm trying to find ways to honor it, one of those is going to be that I don't respond, you know, I don't spend time on my phone after X or Y hour at night, 8 p.m., 9 p.m., whatever you choose. So when you're communicating your needs and where you are, no one can be like, well, that's wrong. You shouldn't want to sleep more, right? Like, Or, well, how dare you want to spend time with your family? Like, If you're doing it from this place of like, I realize I need X, Y, Z. So this is one thing I'm going to put into practice so that I can put some limits on myself or prioritize what this need is. Most people are going to understand that because they probably have similar needs. Whereas if you're like, it really bothers me when I get texts after 9 p.m. and I feel like I'm obligated to respond, so just don't expect my response anymore. That's going to not feel so good, right? So there's ways to do this and there's ways to speak from first person. There's ways to communicate your needs. There's ways to say that I'm setting this general limit on myself so that I can sleep better or so I can do X, Y, Z that most people are going to relate to and understand if you can speak from that perspective. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. 
Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for- one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. I also think it's important, especially if it's certain relationships that are closer in your life, maybe it's friends or in-laws or something like that, 
you can reemphasize like, you know, I love you and I'm so thankful for you in my life. So this isn't a personal thing. And I just want you to know that like, I'm just kind of setting this limit for myself across the board. So don't take it personally if I don't respond or if I'm not as available in this season, like things like that usually get a good response and affirming like this isn't a personal thing and I'm thankful for you or I appreciate you in my life. That tells people like, this isn't me pushing you out. This isn't me avoiding you. Because I think that's our biggest fear around setting boundaries is we don't want people to get the wrong message that we think or that they would maybe think or wonder if we're pushing them out or if we're excluding them or if we are frustrated or you know somehow like secretly angry with them. So I think just reaffirming that message, speaking from first person, communicating your needs and doing it in a way that isn't like I'm setting this boundary and you're outside of it, that's going to get a better response. Another thing I want to touch on too is just saying no in a way that feels productive and in a way that's kind rather than just being like, nope, because none of us like to do that, right? If someone's like, hey, Sally, will you volunteer for this project? It's to help kids with you know special needs. And, and she tells you this whole wonderful story and you're like, you're, it's tugging at your heartstrings and, and your heart wants to do it, but your calendar's like, heck no, there's no way you're going to do that and still sleep and eat. Like you don't have any space. So I think a couple things that you can do uh, or a couple ways to respond to that. If you're like, I would love to do that, but I just really can't right now. One way you could say is, or one way you could respond is just say, I would really love to do that. It's just really not in my, you know, I really don't have the capacity for it right now, but please keep me in mind next year. Please keep me in mind next quarter. So there's a way if you think like that is something I'd like to do. It's just not something I can really do right now or should really do right now. And I, I think it's okay um, also to say that you can't, even if you like, I think this is a thing that we struggle with where it's like, well, if I technically can, like if I technically have Tuesday nights open, then it would be a lie to say that I can't, right? But in your brain, you know that you shouldn't because it's your one free night a week to you know, meal prep or spend time with your spouse or just get your house in order. Like it's your one night to breathe because every other night of the week is packed or you've got a million other things going on. That's still, even if your schedule is quote unquote open in terms of activities, it's not open because that's you time. That's time to steward your home, time to prep your meals, time to be present with your family. Like it's still booked, even if it's booked with white space in terms of like, this is an off day. I have dedicated this day or this evening to rest and to going for a walk and doing the few things that I need to do to restore my mind. So you still are technically unavailable, even if there's not a true meeting or appointment or activity on your calendar. And that's not a lie. So if you feel like I I technically can, but that doesn't mean I should, you're still allowed to say you can't. Because if it's not right for you and you're not going to be able to show up in a good way and in productive and fruitful and life-giving way, then you probably can't. Anyway, you can't add that to your capacity and be able to do it well. So that's not a lie. And I think that's okay to say, like, I really can't, you know, and you can be honest, depending on the person, that's my one off night. I've got to honor that. But a lot of times people will push on that if they really want you to be involved with something. So you can be relatively ambiguous as to your reasoning. You don't have to justify like, well, I, I technically could, but I have to rest and I, and I need to prioritize this. And this is why. And my doctor said I need to, and like, you don't need to explain all that to most people, unless it's like, I don't know, your sister or somebody who's really involved in your personal life, a couple ways that you can say no in a way that's kind and in a way that shows you care and that you'd really love to do it is one, by saying, I'd really love to. It's just not in my capacity right now. Can you keep me in mind next quarter, next month, next you know year, et cetera, depending on what the time frame is. So that's one way if, if it is something that you're truly interested in. If it's something that you're really not interested in or that you feel like it would just really wear you out, you can say things like, I just have too much on my plate right now, but thanks so much for thinking of me. And if they say it again, like, thank you so much for thinking me again, it's just not a good time. So you can say that. Or 
another way that you can kind of defer this while still being helpful, like if instead of saying like, I can't, and then people going, well, why not? And like, you know, we'd really love for you to be involved with this and you'd be so good at it. You could say, I'm not available to, or I don't have the capacity to, but I can make a recommendation of someone who may be a good fit. So if you have someone that comes to mind that, you know, maybe uh, someone that you mentor or a family friend has mentioned that they would love to get involved with volunteer work locally. They just moved here not too long ago. And someone is asking you to do something and you know it's really not in your capacity, but you could pass them along to Sarah or you could connect them with, you know, so-and-so like offering an alternative can be another way to say, I'm not available, but I'm still willing to be helpful without, you know, committing to something that I don't feel I should be committing to right now. So there's multiple different ways to say no without just bluntly being like, nope, move on, (laughs) right? Nobody wants to do that. I don't think any of us would ever actually do that, but we can get tongue tied or we can start trying to justify or explaining all these things or feel like we have to come up with an excuse and you don't have to have an excuse. It's okay to just say like, it's really not in my capacity right now. I'm, you know, or you can say one thing I've done in the past too, when I've been asked to, like, sometimes I'll be asked to endorse books and there's certain seasons of my calendar year where it's just not realistic for me to read through a manuscript and really be able to endorse a book. And so I set, I just tell my assistant, I'm like, if we get any endorsement requests, the answer is no, um, unless it's like my mom or a friend, but like, other than that, like I, I'm not doing any. So you can just set a I'm not doing any of that for this quarter, for this year, et cetera. Um, or you can, so you can present it that way. Like, Hey, I had to make the promise or I had to make the commitment that I wasn't going to take on any of, you know, any new projects until the end of the calendar year, you could say something like that. So it sounds like it's a premeditated or pre pre-decided if you will, um, decision. And it's not specific to this request. So it doesn't make the person feel like you're just denying their specific thing because you're not interested or you don't care about them or you don't care about the cause or the project or the, you know, the opportunity or whatever it is. You can say, Hey, that sounds awesome. And in other, you know, other times in my life, I may be able to, but I made myself a commitment that I'm not going to commit to anything else beyond the projects I currently have going on or my current obligations. And I would revisit that at the end of the year. So that way, if you're not saying like, but I will be available at the end of the year, and they come circling back around, you can say like, I, I will be revisiting that at the end of the year, but I made this commitment to myself three months ago and I need to stick to it. Or I made this commitment to my family three months ago and I need to stick to it. That sounds a little bit more, um, it's still setting a boundary. It's still saying no, but it gives the res- the person on the receiving end this understanding of like, oh, okay, you're turning down most things that are coming across your plate, then I'm not being singled out or you don't don't not care about me or my cause or what I need help with. So anyways, those are just a few ideas and ways that I have found to be the most effective because I tend to be the person who's like, I don't want to let anyone down. I don't want people to think I don't care about them or their cause or their project or what they need help with. And occasionally I will spontaneously say yes to something if it's not a long-term commitment, if it's a one-time thing and you know I have the capacity, great. But if it's a season where I don't, then I will say these types of things. And they're always truthful. They're always honest. They're you know, completely factual. And if I, if you can present it in those ways, people very rarely are going to get angry or be offended. They're going to understand that they're going to be able to respect that. Especially if you're showing like, I'm staying true to my commitments to myself. I am prioritizing these few things in my life, like my sleep or my family, et cetera. Those people want to do that in their life too. Right? So if you can speak from first person, a lot of people can put themselves in your shoes and see why you're saying that. And if they keep pushing, you can just keep reiterating the same answer of like, you know, I thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm not the best fit for this, or this isn't the right fit for my this season of my life. But, you know, I appreciate your thoughts. You know, you can just continue to say no in a way that isn't like, no, leave me alone, right? But in a way you're kind of saying like, no, that's enough. I'm not going to change my answer. So 
Those are just a few ideas. I wanted to put that in front of you because I know how hard it can be when you have a big heart and you're ambitious and you care about changing the world and you care about helping people and you care about people and you care about making an impact. And it can be so easy to start questioning your decision to say no or you know, start wondering like, ah, maybe I should do it and feeling that guilt trip that maybe you've imposed on yourself that you assume other people are imposing. But in reality, they probably aren't most of the time. Most of the time they understand. So I think the best thing I can tell you is release that sense of guilt from yourself. You're not doing anything wrong by saying no. If it's truly not something that feels right for you in this season or is beyond your capacity and try approaching it in these few different ways that I gave you, I have found these to be really effective in my life. And I believe they can be effective in yours as well. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.